Welcome to the Benito Juarez Experience. I am U.M. Navarro Rivera. And I am Luciano Gonzalez. And today we are going to have the first part of a three-part series. And actually a fourth part is going to be in our Spanish version of La Experiencia de Benito Juarez. Uh, commemorating Hispanic Heritage Month. And f to commemorate Hispanic Heritage Month that basically starts this week, uh, we are going to be talking about secularism, Latino and Latina secularism, not just in the United States, but also in Latin America. And so the format is going to be that today, particularly this episode, is going to be a lot about what we know about secular Latinos. Because one of the ironies of the Benito Juarez experience, as we have developed it in the, these first 22 episodes, has been that we have said a lot of things from a secular Latinx perspective, but we haven't actually talked about Latinx secularism. So I think this is a very good opportunity to kick back a little bit and and talk about you know this community, this secular Latino community, what it is, how many people are potentially in it. And before we get in depth into all these issues of, of Latino secularism, uh, Luciano is going to tell us what the heck is Hispanic Heritage Month. So Hispanic Heritage Month is the period from September 15th to October 15th in the United States when people are supposed to recognize and more specifically discuss the contributions of Hispanic and Latin Americans to the United States. And the exact history of it is that it was first established by legislation sponsored by <coughs> Representative Edward Roybal, who was, who was a Democrat from Los Angeles and was first pro and was first officially declared by President Lyndon B. Johnson in 1968. So it was expanded. Um, it was expanded later on in 1988 to cover a 30-day period from September 15th to October 15th, and was officially enacted into law on August 17th, 1988, through Public Law 100-402. September 15th is chosen as a starting point because it is what is informally known as Central America Day by some which is the day that commemorates the independence of Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua, who were also the main countries that made up the Federation of Central America, which was the sort of conglomerate country that existed from the 1820s until the 1840s and was sort of the Central American equivalent of the United States. It fell apart for a variety of reasons that we will touch on on a later episode, but it goes from September 15th to October 15th also to commemorate Columbus Day, which is now known in some countries and in some places as either Indigenous Peoples Day or Indigenous Resistance Day. That was very informative. And it's, it's worth noting that it was not just, I mean, it, it, 
Central America Day kind of like kicks it out, but also there's the Mexican independence and a few other South American countries that celebrate their independence days around this time. And so it's, uh, apparently there was something in the water in those days, uh, in September, uh, that led to all these uprisings. Although, you know, being a political scientist, it may be that they were commemorating each other at some point and then they basically you know, inspired by each other at different points in time, they uh, and around the same time in the, the 19th century, they kind of like got things started. Um, but thank you very much for that information. And so, what is Latinx secularism? And I think we need to define that in terms of, at least personally, uh, the way I define the secular Latino community, it's not just those Latinos and Latinas who identify as atheists or agnostics or particularly non-theistic, uh, who may be humanist and uh, may be in uh, Unitarians, ethical society uh, congregations and whatnot, but also the ones who consider themselves nothing in particular. They're non-religious. They have abandoned religion or at least the label of mostly Catholicism, and they now profess having no religion in particular, and which was actually the inspiration for my blog, The Latinone, because I wanted it to be Latinos and knowns, uh, to be as inclusive as possible. Uh, I, I avoided the words atheist or secular or... Uh, anything that was specific to one of those particular non-religious groups, uh, even though I technically have all those identities. And the reason I started that blog, it's because back in the Stone Age, before Luciano was an atheist, <laughs> uh, which was in these decades, so I'm talking about like, the beginning of the 21st century and even the late 1990s, like I had these, you know, I, I have what I consider, uh, the lamest story ever told. You know, there's like the greatest story ever told, which is that like movie with like old movie, Jesus movie, uh, which I'm not sure if the Jesus story is the greatest story ever told. I mean, probably before star Wars, maybe. But, or The Godfather is also a pretty good story. But I digress. Uh, but, I mean, I consider my deconversion story the lamest story ever told because it's not really a eureka moment in which I decide, oh, I don't believe in this stuff and, like, I'm an atheist now. It, it was very gradual. Uh, and eventually I end up, and I, I, I've told this story before, so I was working at the Institute for the Study of Secularism, like this is like ten years ago, and I am, you know, we're doing this humongous survey eventually, which is the American uh, Religious Identification Survey. And for the most part, I, I, I mean, I didn't think that I necessarily was the only atheist Latino in the country, but I, I. I didn't think there were many. And so it's late 2008. 
we get the, the results of the survey we're analyzing. That took a long time for methodological reasons that we don't need to get into. Uh, but eventually, like, we start running the numbers. And we run the numbers by race. And when we code like, people of Hispanic origin... 12% of Latinos are non-religious. And I am like, what? Where the hell is everybody? <laughs> because, you know, 12% of Latino adults in 2008, that's about uh, 4 million people, I believe, was our estimate. Uh, and and so I, the, the reason I started the blog was because I didn't know anybody else. And that led to me... With that blog, I actually ended up meeting two people. Well, I mean, two people in particular, not necessarily just two people. But one of the things that happened was that, I, and I think this is something that you have also experienced, which is that need of, okay, if no, if we don't know of any other Latinos who are atheists or secular, uh, so I decided to put myself out there. So that's how I started the blog back in the day. It has evolved into something very different, which is about now it's about politics, mostly because that's my thing. <laughs> uh, but also because now there's no that much of a need uh, for a specific, in uh, there's groups like the Secular Latino Alliance. Uh, and then when I started that blog early in those days, um, I met Jose Alvarado, who is the dear leader of the uh, Chicago Latino Atheists, and I met David Tamayo, who is the president of Tafri. And then, so, so there was some other stuff going on eventually that basically I didn't feel that alone anymore. Uh, and that has allowed me to shift into other interests as people like you, Luciano, uh, and others have like, become more visible. Uh, but yeah, so that, that, so that eventually led me to the point I want to make, which is that after that, we, and by we, I mean myself and, and Barry Kosman, uh, and Ariela Kesar, who were, who were the directors, co-directors of the survey, we wrote the first report on Latino religion but with a major focus on secularism because before that only Pew Hispanic Center had done one on Latino religious change but it was mostly with a frame about Latino evangelicals so we basically wrote the first report that talked about Latino secularism so the report about Latino secularism is actually really important because both that one and then the Pew Religious Forum, the Shifting Religious Identity of Latinos in the United States, I actually read both of them about the same time because I wouldn't see them until later on. But for individuals such as myself, understanding that the number of Latinos who identified as unaffiliated was 15 or was 18 at the time of the publication, it was very interesting because that indicated that there were way more than we initially anticipated. Now, if you actually look 
into the research done if you actually read the project at length rather than just reading the tagline and just reading the front page it actually does say that the specific number of atheists and agnostics at the very least at the time that i'm reading it now uh, among the u.s hispanic adults is three percent which doesn't sound like a lot but that's that's about three percent more of the general u.s hispanic adults than i anticipated it being that was very significant for me because i wouldn't read this information until about 2016 for the first time i would just i knew that the information was out there but i probably like most other hispanic atheists who want to organize and who want to talk to other atheists and who want to be engaged in activism just went on ahead and started trying to get involved i went out and i started talking to other atheists online. I started having conversations with non-believers. I started debating uh, believers, although in my case, I generally limited it to participation in groups, although from time to time, I'll talk about it on my own Facebook. But it's very important that we analyze the information that's actually readily available online, because this information is a lot more revealing than people would anticipate it being. It at the very least reveals that Catholicism doesn't have the grip on U.S. Hispanics that we all thought it did. I'm sure that at 2014, most of us who weren't already either nuns who were engaged in activism or <clears throat> just not Catholics, I'm sure most of us didn't expect that among U.S. Hispanic adults, there would only be 55% identification with Catholicism as opposed to a higher number. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very important point, and it's that for a long time there was this assumption that well, Latinos were Catholics uh, mostly because they came from Latin America, uh, and particularly Mexico, which is one of the largest Catholic countries in the world. But there was this exaggerated view of you know how catholic the population was and then if 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 people weren't assuming that latinos were catholics there was this assumption that they were just leaving to become pentecostals and for a long time that was the view in the scholarship and was the view of journalists uh, that they were always reporting on these growths of of all these Pentecostal churches, and, and in, in particular those Pentecostal churches, mostly because there was a lot of movement in Latin America, which is something that uh, we covered uh, in the episode where we interviewed Arlene Sanchez Walsh, uh, which gave us a, a big overview of of that Latino Pentecostal history. And, and Latino Pentecostal transformation, but that was the that was the attention that people were getting. Uh, and one of the things that we discovered uh, while we were doing the Ares, or, or when we were analyzing the Ares, and in later years when I I become part of this group of secularism scholars, is is not just that. Yeah, at some point, Latinos starting abandoning Catholicism to go to Pentecostal churches, but that sort of peaked in the 80s into the 90s. And what happened afterwards is that that number of Pentecostal, like evangelical Latinos, 
peaked and has peaked around 22% uh, ever since, like, in the areas it was around 20%. The Pew report uh, that we are, uh, that Luciano referenced before was 22. Uh, the, the Public Religion Research Institute released just a humongous survey uh, recently, and they also have that number around 20-ish. So that group actually plateaued. There's no other way. Like the, the, it, ha- it has not been growing. Uh, and a lot of the people, if we look at the, especially Pew that has all this information online, uh, you know, they, they have all this information about religious change that other surveys don't have. Basically, a lot of the, those Pentecostal, evangelical, Protestant Latinos are now second, third generation. So it's like the, the, the generation that converted happened like 20, 30 years ago. And, and so the, I mean, the, the big bunch of the, the big bulk of the, of the, of the conversions. And so it's been the last 20 years that Latinos have been abandoning religion, particularly Catholicism. Uh, to the extent that now it's just a bare majority of Latinos who are Catholic. Uh, not, uh, for example, in 1990, when the previous version of the Aries, the National Religion, uh, National Survey of Religious Identification, found that uh, upwards of 70-something percent of Latinos were Catholic. Uh, so it has been a big decline. And that decline in recent years has been for thanks to people like us. And that has been a very quiet transformation. If I may steal a, 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 a phrase from a political scientist Ronald Ingerhardt, the science, it's been a silent revolution. Uh, so Latinos have been abandoning religion, but there has no we haven't been part of the story of Latino religion or, or irreligion. Uh, we, we just, people haven't been paying attention to us. So one of the things that I think is very interesting, and I want to mention it before we start moving on to other conversations is that while Latino Muslims are, I know, I know that lots of people feel like Latino Muslims are probably either very ostracized from the rest of Latinx culture, or very accepted. I think it's worth noting that at the very least, according to this survey, there are actually more Latino atheists, agnostics, and probably secular humanists in there as well than there are Latino Muslims in the United States. And I think that that's something that it's really important that we touch on, especially because throughout the course of this year and the end of last year, there has been a lot of attention paid to Latino Muslims and not nearly as much attention paid to Latino atheists. But it's worth noting that there are probably more of us than there are of them. And that's not necessarily an attack on Latino Muslims. I don't want it to be perceived that way. I just think it's worth noting that while lots of people love to pay attention to them and love to document them, there there's probably more people who would read and more people, generally speaking, who would like to know that there are Latino atheists. Man, you just hit a, you just hit a sore spot for me. Uh, so, 
So, uh, so eight years ago, or probably like seven, eight years ago, were you saying that there's a lot of stories now about Latino Muslims? This, this has been this, uh, this has been my, uh, one of my battle cries. And it has been that at the same time that there was, uh, you know, there's been a lot of focus on Latino Pentecostals overall for the last 20, 30 years. Uh, in recent years, there has been all these uh, articles about Latino Buddhists, <laughs> Latino Muslims, uh, in particular, that actually was what led me to write a piece for Free Inquiry, I think it was in 2010. I just recently read it again uh because I, I I was writing an article uh, about 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 Latino nouns uh, with my wife, and again, uh, so so my argument in that piece, which was uh, the invisible media stereotypes and the invisible Latino nouns, was that the media, in particular, it's interested in authorizing Latinos as these kind of like exotic, uh, very, I would say, like very weird people, for lack of a better term. And so, you know, like they always find the person who, you know, the report of the person who sees the Virgin Mary or Jesus in the, in, in a blot of ketchup or something like that. So you, you, you get your, superstitious Catholic, then they go to the Pentecostal church and see people swinging and screaming and jumping and crying. And then like, so now they decided that they want to find Muslims and, Oh, this is weird because they're all Christian. Uh, and so they, you know, because we don't dress funny and don't act funny, uh, unless, you know, we have a, like a, t-shirt that's has like a red a of atheists like nobody pays attention to us and so we we are hard to find because we don't go to churches or synagogues, uh, synagogues or mosques or whatever temple uh on sundays we have better things to do like sleeping in or playing with our kids uh and and so that to a large extent uh because we don't fit the stereotype of you know the superstitious latino uh, superstitiously religious Latino, and because we have better things to do on Sundays than being found on a church or a temple, uh, that has led to this invisibility of secular Latinos. End of the rant. I think it's really, I think that that's something that's really important, especially because there have been lots of individuals, such as myself, who fought for far greater. Latinx non-believer visibility. And it's it's a very frustrating fight because I feel like odds are everyone is going to get their turn before we do. What I mean by this is, as I, as I mentioned earlier, there's probably more of us than there are Latinx Muslims. Oh, but there's you know definitely been... more of us. There's more atheist Latinos than there is Muslim Latinos. And actually, they're I'm, not just Muslim Latinos. Sure. There's more atheist Latinos than there's Muslim, Buddhist, and every other non-Christian religion combined. 
that that doesn't stop things like Remescla from talking about brujeria before they talk about the fact that they're Latino atheists. That doesn't stop NPR uh, NPR Latino from ignoring requests by Latinx non-believers to talk about us when just weeks ago, not weeks ago now, this is something that happened to me and a few other people who I know who also tried this. We tried, uh, I am one of the individuals who tried to get an NPR Latino story about Latinx non-believers just a few weeks after they posted a story about Latinx Muslims. And I was very happy. I was happy the Latinx Muslims got featured. There's a reason I've also written about Latinx Muslims. I've also written about Latinx Jews because I want non-Christian Latinx individuals to be featured in mainstream media and to appear in places. But it's very frustrating when everyone gets their turn before we do, despite the fact that objectively there's almost certainly more of us than there are of them. And I feel like to a certain extent it's almost deliberate because I'm pretty sure that in their minds as believers, it's easier for them to publish a story on other believers than it is for them to publish a story on people who don't believe. Yes, and I think there's also this aspect of, uh, which I don't know if you have get it, gotten it. I mean, I've, I've, I, I, uh, I mean, I'm old enough that you know I don't get it anymore because I just sent people to places. Uh, if you're Puerto Rican, you understand where I'm sending people. <laughs> uh, but it's uh uh it's the fact that you know we are going through a phase and we just haven't we just haven't lived a real life and we haven't suffered and you know like we haven't had any event that has led us to god we have had it easy uh so yeah at this point i just don't tell people i just punch them uh especially if they're <laughs> especially if they're nazis that's a two for one uh but i remember that story about uh, her name, her name was Caroline something, the girl from Ecuador. Uh, that's basically what they said happened to her. And I, I detest that sort of a reaction to this, to, to us, to our existences, because one, it implies that we didn't already believe, despite the fact that especially, especially if you are a younger person, you probably believed at, at some point in your life. Before you became, before you became a non-believer, you probably had some sort of introduction to the religion, especially when you were at a young age, when it made sense to you because you didn't have access to other information. Because I know that I believed. I don't know if you ever actually believed, but I know that I did. And then I stopped believing. Yeah, I, this is the thing why I'm saying I have like, like my quote unquote deconversion story is like the, lamest story ever told because <laughs> i'm not sure if like i went to religious schools of my life right my 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 parents sent me to a to a christian school for elementary school and then i went for to catholic schools up to high school um which is why i love public universities i went to two of them <laughs> and and i'm not sure i ever bought the thing like i remember thinking that the the preacher running the elementary school was kind of like a charlatan, and actually, time proved me right. <laughs> uh, so I've always had a very good uh, bullshit detector 
for people. And so, yeah, and then, like, I always kind of found the priests uh, mostly creepy in uh, in my school. And, and I actually, the, the, the directors of the school were priests. Now, I actually didn't take class with any priests, only probably one. That was really nice, actually. Uh, but there was also this other priest that was the director of the school that I always thought he used to work for Francisco Franco in Spain. And I may be right. I mean, he was about the right age to have been, like, young-ish during the Spanish Civil War and uh, and during... You know the 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 time Franco was dictator in Spain, so I may be I may I may, I may have been into something. Uh, but the, with that said, I I was for the longest time, I thought nobody thought that transubstantiation was a real thing. Uh, only I discovered when I made a joke in Facebook many many years later. I I left high school. Uh, that people actually believe that it's a real thing, and I was I was taken aback. Uh, so so yeah, so I, I I'm not sure if I ever believe in this kind of stuff, but I was certainly nominally religious. I feel like that's probably the way that it was for most people. Um, so I I think that it's time that we start to get closer to wrapping this up. But I do have a few questions for our listeners. One of the main things that I wanted to ask them is, uh, upon reading the information that we're going to be providing in this episode's description, were you guys aware of uh, these specific demographics? If you weren't aware of them, that's fine. No one, I, don't, I know that I wasn't aware of them until I actually read the data itself. But if you weren't aware of them, were you at least... Were you at least aware of the ballpark? Did you guess that correctly? And if you didn't, what do you think most surprised you? I think the question I have is how many of you have thought you are there by yourself? Like, how, how many of you have met another uh, secular Latino, another Latino known? And, and how, how safe do you feel? admitting that you're non-religious and if you're an atheist how fa- how, how how open are you about it because uh, I, I think that's another thing that there's a lot of pressure uh, I believe that the numbers are actually higher than the people who report it I'm pretty sure that that's the case as well but we are going to be talking more about communities and also a little bit more about numbers as well in the next episode. And until then, we hope that you guys have a great week. This has been the Benito Juarez experience with Luciano Gonzalez. You am Navarro Rivera. And remember, like the podcast in Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our feed and review it. Thank you very much for listening.